with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Hey, we wait all winter for this. This is the most exciting moment of the entire Tigers offseason. <laughs> Even bigger back. than the Jordan Zimmerman <laughs> signing. K-Rod coming to become the closer. Those are all secondary to Tiger sorry, Talk. Tiger Talk. <laughs> whatever we call it, Tiger Talk. Tiger Talk. <laughs> yeah, How you doing, I, Pat? I, good. I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, since we've uh, last done the show, uh, the Tigers had a, a season that was disappointing by any any realm and uh, had an offseason in which they made a lot of hay. Uh, it seems to me uh, getting some players, uh, you know, I would – Say that the Tigers didn't do well, Dan, except for the guys that I thought they should go out and get uh, in Zimmerman and K-Rod. That's who they went out and got. So I really can't be uh, complaining too much about it. No, and, and I'd love to hear from fans. But I just think, I mean, if we kind of look at what has happened this offseason, the thing that I think is impressive and the thing that I think Alavila and his staff have done so well, they had targets, they went after them, and they struck early, which, you know, I was wondering if they should wait and see what the market is like and whether all the dollars might get eaten up with David Price and Zach Greinke. But they struck quickly. And really, when you look at what pitching has gone for, when you see a Jeff Samarja, who everybody agrees has got great physical tools, but let's face it, he has not accomplished a whole lot in his career, especially the last four years, go for $90 million and the Tigers get a far better pitcher in Jordan Zimmerman, same number of years for $20 million more they made a good deal there. The trade for Justin Wilson, I think, is one of the underrated moves of the entire offseason. Yeah, I'm surprised that they I, were able to get him for what they did. I don't understand that deal. You know, the, the Yankees, Yankees standpoint. I oh, really well, don't. The Yankees, getting rid of a guy who throws mid-90s right. from the left side who lowered his walk rate, strikes out 10 batters plus per nine innings, and has a track record for two unproven guys, neither of whom has been above double A. Mm-hmm. I find that amazing. Mar- marginal at best prospects. And um, no, one, neither one of them. Uh, you know, look, I used to do the uh, – Baseball America top 30. So I do have a pretty good gauge on where it would be, I would think. Having done it for as many years as I did it. Um, I don't think Sessa or Chad Green are going to be in the no. top 30. They would. I think Chad Green might have been like 28th last year, and I don't think he was going to go up. So uh, or get lower in the in the rankings. So I, I thought that they – you know, the Yankees, you know what puzzled me about that? A lot of teams, okay, you can understand if it's – say it's the Brewers uh, or – uh, gosh, uh, the Diamondbacks or something, where they're very cost-conscious. And uh, they decide to get rid of somebody who's arbitration-eligible. But well, not the Yankees. They, they don't seem to be that concerned about it. I know they've cut back a little bit on the payroll, right. but that's, by them, chump change. So No, you you, you got K-Rod, who his fastball is down, but he still gets swings and misses. That's what I look at. He gets swings and misses. Right. His swing and miss rate is still high. His strikeouts are still high. That's critical. You got him for seven and a half million. You got Mark Lowe two years for eleven million. When in the same offseason that Ryan Madsen got three years and twenty two million, right. which absolutely blew me away. Right. I liked what they did in the bullpen. And then you've got Justin Wilson for what the arbitration figure they're figuring is going to be just around two million, a little under two million. I saw a million five. So anyway, you've got three guys at roughly fourteen million. And think of what the White Sox spent. David Robertson alone was eleven and a half million last year. I just think they did a great job rebuilding the back end of the bullpen and then getting Zimmerman at not a bargain, but I think a, a pretty good price. It was a fair market value. And you and I were talking earlier today. Part of that probably is because he's already had Tommy John surgery and there's concern about how long that right. ligament will last. But the Tigers know that he's been very good. He's been healthy. And 
they're going to be covered with insurance if, if something does happen. Well, there's a couple there's a couple things there. Uh, there's a lot there, and there's a lot to talk about. Jordan Zimmerman sure. was a great pickup. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like I said. Talk, just talking with the Tigers about I mean, all the homework they do about right. the character of this guy. We know the stats. We know he's a top front-of-the-rotation type of guy, maybe a two or a three. But the character of this guy adds a lot, and that's not a small consideration. Uh, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Yeah, there's a lot there, and we'd love to hear from you on it. Uh, give us a call. Um, you can use ticket text. That's at nine seven one three six. A couple things. Uh, just on Zimmerman, uh, he he threw a lot of innings. He was a workhorse. But uh, Steve McCaddy, who was a pitching coach there, worked for the Tigers before. Obviously, local ties. He's from Troy. I think he still lives out in Oxford. Um, they didn't overuse him. They threw about 200 innings, but not way right. over uh, the boundary where he was stretching it. Uh, second of all, people on Tommy John surgery, they kind of freak out. This is a long-term contract. It's $110 million. If he were to have the fate where he'd have to have a second Tommy John surgery, um, it would set him back a couple years, a year and a half at least. Yep. But the, sec- the recovery rate on the second Tommy John surgery. Far lower. No, it's not. It's the same. It's roughly the same as after the first Tommy John surgery. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's one. That's what I've seen, though. I've seen. You know, I, was, I saw, you know, there was a Baseball America report on it that it was roughly in the 80% range, just slightly lower. So he's going to, it would be a setback in terms of time. And insurance does cover you for the big Right, country. right. You always it, have insurance. So it, it wasn't, and this is somebody who's got the bulldog mentality. Uh, and, you know, for example, Joaquin Soria, you know, people are saying, Get jo- Joaquin Soria has been through Tommy John surgery twice. Uh, you would see an amazing list of pitchers who've been through Tommy John surgery twice. And there's nothing to say that he can't be healthy for all five years. There, there's nothing there to say There are plenty that. of examples. I understand that yeah. the average life is, eight. most teams figure, eight to ten. You're right. Maybe even less than eight. Seven but, to eight is what I But there are mean. plenty of examples, including – Tommy John himself, David Wells is another, but there are plenty of examples of guys who never had a second and pitched for a long time. So uh, that's, uh, you know, the the crux of it. And, and K-Rod, uh, look, I've watched K-Rod pitch many, many times the last three years. I've, I've said for a long time I think the Tigers should get him, and they basically ignored whatever I was saying. <laughs> but, um, you know, the fact that he, thro- he, he throws his fastball on the perimeter of the strike zone, yet throws strikes and gets ahead in the count. This thing that separates him from somebody like a Joaquin Soria throws basically the same velocity. There's not that much separation there. K-Rod will probably throw about 90 this year. I know it was 89-something last year. Is that when he gets to his out pitch, you mentioned the strikeouts, Soria would throw a, a, a – it was a pretty wicked slider, but sometimes it would hang just right on the – I don't know, almost like a tee for a left-handed hitter. You saw a couple times where it got knocked out of the park at key times. K-Rod throws this nasty, funky, I used to think it was a knuckle curve, but it looks like he's holding it like just a claw changeup. It drops off a table. It's a Trevor Hoffman caliber changeup. It's an out pitch. If he gets ahead, they can't lay right. off of think it. Think of Koji Uehara. I mean, it's the same it's thing. A, it's a very similar effect. He throws that split. You know it's coming, and you can't do a thing about it. Very similar. Now, I don't know if, you know. Koji Uehara gets a ton more swings and misses, but they both get a lot of swings It's and a misses. very similar effect. He's not as effective as Uehara no. was the year he had a one ERA or right. whatever yeah. for, for the Red Sox and, and all that. But he's pretty damn good. He's better than Soria. And he's been through the wars. He's a baseball survivor. 
Uh, so I like that signing. The Wilson thing, I can't believe they got him for that. Honestly, I remember pitching for Pittsburgh. I mean, he Dan, you remember seeing that. He is nasty. He, he absolutely, the first time we saw him with Pittsburgh, your eyes lit up because it was it was just this big power lefty arm, and he's still throwing mid-90s from the left side, and you've got him under control for three more years. You think, well, maybe they didn't like him, you know, from the personality standpoint or something, but believe me, the Tigers do their homework on this kind of stuff. If that was the reason, they would have known it. So I think Al Avila, who both of I, I know you and I have a lot of respect for Al. We've known him for a long time. And I don't know what type of general manager is going to be. I don't know. The only thing I know is that he has trained his entire life for this. And I was impressed with the way he approached the offseason, particularly doing what Dave Dombrowski didn't do, which was address the bullpen and do it in a systematic fashion. So now Alex Wilson, who was pretty good last year, and Blaine Hardy, who were pretty good, moved them back Perfect. a little bit into Perfect. the you know the situation. Alex Wilson in a multiple-inning role was very valuable. Absolutely. He was good wherever he was, but I think he was most valuable giving you multiple innings, sometimes as many as three innings. He thrived in that role, and I right. think that's, that's exactly where he belongs. There's great value in a guy like that. So those are the things we like. I'm not that impressed with the Pelfrey signing. The Tigers had a lot of choices there yeah. with that for the money. And also uh, left field, I don't know if you know Cameron Maven, they're going to get a lot from him. Two things about Pelfrey. I, I liked him going into the offseason as a guy that you could convert to a reliever. And because this is a guy that we saw with the Twins. He's a low strikeout guy. I'm not big on low strikeout starters, but he's got a mid-90s fastball. His fastball definitely has gone back up, and he looked like a guy who could convert to the bullpen. I'm convinced, and you look around the league, the best bullpen guys in the league are former starters, and I thought he'd be a perfect guy to move into the bullpen, but at $8 million a year, obviously that's not going to happen. We can talk more about it. And we also got the situation in left field. Saltamacchia replacing Alex Avila, not an insignificant move, I think, you know, with James McCann coming on. How do you feel about the Tigers? Are they World Series contenders again? In your mind, what did you think of the offseason? What do you think what Al Avila has done? Also coming up at 735, the Hall of Fame announcement is tomorrow. Uh, Dan and I will give our thoughts on it. Dan obviously has some strong opinions about it, being the Tigers broadcaster for many years now. I actually have a vote in the thing. Um, I'll tell you what I did, and uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, 735, uh, what are your thoughts? We'd love to hear from you. People are talking, hey, Pat, when are you going to talk baseball? What are you, gonna, when are you and Dan going to do Tiger Talk? I mean, I've gotten so many emails and different things about it. Well, we're here. Give us a call, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. You're listening to Tiger Talk at 97.1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97.1 The Ticket. And a ball driven to left center. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter for Jordan Zimmerman! The Tigers have won the World Series! You remember that catch? You remember that catch? That was an unbelievable catch by Souza. Souza and uh, Jordan Zimmerman completed his no-hitter, courtesy of MLB TV, right? Or MLB.com. There we go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Zimmerman's thrown a no-hitter. He's been consistent. Uh, what do you think of the Tigers offseason? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. We're here to talk baseball with you. Dan and I have been itching to do this all year. And uh finally we get a chance <laughs> to do it. We get all these emails and I'm like, Yeah, well, we're doing the show, we're doing the show. Uh Tiger fans are pretty anxious uh for the start of the year. Um I'm anxious for it. Dan, do you do you think uh you know, look at the American League Central, obviously the Royals 
still formidable. You got the Indians, the White Sox. Uh, the Twins, I expect to be better. Um, where do you think the Tigers rank here? Uh, I don't think they're going to finish last again. I wouldn't say that. Interesting that, you know, the early projections are out. Fangraphs, I think, leads the way with the early projections, the computer simulations. And they've got Cleveland right now, if not running away with the division, as the team that projects. And remember, all these projections, every year when you see these computer projections, they almost always top out at 90 wins. That's just what computers do. They want to bring you back to the right. <laughs> closer to 500 than uh, further away. It's hard for a computer to break predict 96 97 they've got cleveland at 87 i believe they had the kansas city below 500 the tigers below 500 uh, minnesota at 500 and the white Sox below 500 so right now pretty much a toss-up i have the tigers now and for all of those of you waiting for for this year's prediction for me uh because last year's prediction of 93 wins was so accurate and so dead on uh, you will have to wait. I'm not going to uh, do this early in our <laughs> Well, I liked how you went through it sabermetrically by war. <laughs> I did, and it was a useful exercise. And it was we'll, useful I'll, exercise. I'll review yeah. exactly where I went wrong, but let's face it. It was on the pitching side of things. Yeah. I'll do that later. It is a useful exercise because I truly believe, I mean, when you all I did was try to total up war. If you can project war accurately, wins above replacement for the players on your team, whatever team you follow, you can get a pretty good idea where that team is going right. to finish. If you're loaded with a bunch of low-war guys, you're not the upside of that team is low. The upside of last year's team to me was in the 90-win area. But injuries, obviously, to Victor Martinez, Justin Verlander, Shane Green didn't pan out. Uh, there were some things that went wrong. Anibal Sanchez. Especially Anibal Sanchez, no question about it. I think, Pat, I, you know, we were talking about Mike Pelfrey. And, again, I, I do think that's a guy who can be better than his numbers. It's not a, a, a wild pickup, but it is a guy who I think is going to keep that spot warm for maybe a rookie later in the year whether it's Michael Fulmer or Matt Boyd. Norris is going to be in the rotation, in my opinion. But Sanchez, to me, holds the key. Sanchez has got to be back to health. We have to assume he wasn't healthy this year because the stuff wasn't the same, but 29 home runs as opposed to four in 2014. He holds the key because with Zimmer, Verlander's last 14 starts, remember, he had a 227 ERA. Strikeout on innings, 74 hits in 99 innings. To me, he's back. I don't have any question about that. Well, we'll that. see. I mean, I, I I think that's probably true. I think the Justin stuff Verlander, we saw was, if not vintage, it was really good, and I think he's going to be really. Well, we'll good see again. what he does when it matters. You know, I mean, it's well, going to matter. What didn't matter by the time he started doing well last year. But you Sanchez, that, you think that matters to Justin Verlander? I mean, he's going to pitch the same. I mean, if it, we'll see. What do you mean you when know? it matters? I mean, he, he beat up on. He, it didn't. I mean, I don't understand. I mean. We know he can pitch best when it matters, and it didn't he matter has last in year, the but past, he still pitched well. We'll see if it holds up. You know, All right, when so he, let, when but he's that's going to be my given is that he's yeah. going to be good. Zimmerman, we know he, I he's expect good. what you expect. But if Sanchez gets back to, he doesn't have to be the ERA leader, but if he's back to being that guy with a 320-330 ERA, which he's certainly capable of, suddenly this rotation looks a heck of a lot deeper than if he struggles like he did last year. So my theory on Annabelle Sanchez, if you look at to throw out uh, – the year he won the ERA title, and maybe the next year after that. You're looking at somebody who's been a three or four starter, but a solid one. Right. I think he's going to find his level there, and that's what he'll be for the Tigers. And if you have Zimmerman and Verlander, and I do expect Justin Verlander to come back like you do, uh, then you've got a solid three, and that's what he should be. And then uh, if you, you have Pelfrey at four, see what you get out of Daniel Norris, who I think is, you know, he just misses a little bit right now where if he gets a little bit better command and he's got three pitches, I think he's going to be somebody who's going to be formidable. And it could happen as soon as this year. I know he had some health issues. So I think their starting rotation is promising. You're right, Dan. 
Their offense fell apart a lot last year, but really it was their pitching that really you know brought them down yeah, to dead earth. last. I mean, they gave up eight hundred and three runs. And no other team gave up more than seven fifty three. Yeah, yeah, and it I wasn't mean, just the bullpen; it was the starters. It was too. yeah, collective effort. Talking about Shane Green, I just wanted to remind fans, Pat. I mean, to me, I, I, again, I firmly believe when you can take a starter, put him in the bullpen, a Luke Hochaver, a Wade Davis, or countless examples of guys who've gone from, if not failed starters, they weren't very good as starters, and they've been bullpen forces. I think Shane Green could be not on that level maybe, but could be a force in the bullpen. This is a guy who had a wipeout slider in 2014 and electric stuff in two starts against the Tigers at least. His teammate Brandon McCarthy said his stuff was filthy. We didn't see that last year. Even when he started strong, one run in its first three starts, it wasn't dominating stuff. He only had 11 or 12 strikeouts. I think if he's healthy, there was, of course, the surgery. I think, and, you know, the numbness in his hand. I think if he gets back to health, that could be a big arm in the bullpen. I don't think he's going to be a starter again. But to me, that's where the Tigers, I think, are starting to realize there's value in these former starters that you can put in the bullpen and suddenly their stuff plays up or it plays very well, well as a they, one or two-inning reliever. They finally came to the modern you know, uh, realm of realizing the game is shorter. It's not about necessarily getting that start of the seventh inning and shortening your bullpen, like which has been their philosophy. Uh, but actually having somebody who comes in is really nasty starting in the seventh inning. They'll have to make it a sit. Verhagen, they already did that with him. He has a chance. Uh, people laugh about Buck Farmer because of his name, and he didn't do that well. He has a chance because he's got a good arm. And remember, you know, Michael Fulmer, everybody has this uh, projection of him as a starter. But the thing about Michael Fulmer, he doesn't have a third pitch right now. If you've watched him pitch, I've talked to scouts who watch the Eastern League, and he's somebody who could be a nasty reliever with that 95 fastball and just a nasty slider. He could be one of those guys like the Royals bring in late innings who just really does well uh, in that short burst. He might right. even throw harder. So, And think uh, how many starters, good starters, started their careers out of the bullpen. Whether right. it was David Price in the fall and the postseason, his first year in 2008. And there are plenty of examples of Francisco Liriano, Johan Santana, started Absolutely. as relievers, and then they move him into the rotation. I think he could be a perfect fit sometime this year in the bullpen. It could happen. You know, a lot of, you know I've gotten you know, people say, hey, you know, that's a crazy idea. I said, look, first of all, it wasn't my idea. I've heard that from many baseball people. <laughs> oh, own it. Own the idea. Yeah, I own it. And second of all, watching him, and it's hard. to You're watching, you know, minor league baseball TV. They don't have the radar gun reading there. Right. But they do have a lot of times a center field camera. But he never throws an off-speed pitch. Um, and, I, you know, I've read, you know, a lot of things on him and talked to scouts who say he has a changeup, he could do uh, develop one, but right now it's not major league caliber. In the major leagues, you can't be a two-pitch pitcher. He's not one of those guys that he's going to throw 100 miles an hour and knock everybody away with just two pitches right. at similar speed. Major leagues, they kind of spit on stuff, very different than double-A baseball. So it'll be interesting to see what the Tigers do because that's what teams are doing now. They're getting those nasty guys out of the bullpen and shortening the games. And I think the Tigers are kind of moving into, hey, you know what? They're finally waking up on, in that regard and seeing it's 2016, uh, not uh, 2009 anymore. So uh, uh, that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. So there is some potential with their bullpen. Uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Larry, you're on Tiger Talk at 97.1 The Ticket. Hey, Larry, what's up, buddy? Not too much. I just had two quick questions for you. Uh, I just wanted your opinion on – and these guys get their big contracts, and then the next year there's that 
sharp fall off. I see that happening a lot all over major leagues. My second question is, do you think Victor Martinez can stay healthy? He's had so many knee issues in the past. Is he going to be the hitter he once was again? That's well, a huge X factor. Yeah, you know, I don't have a crystal ball on that one, but it is an X factor. Without if it's question. not the question, it's one of the questions yeah. going into 2016 because the knee is a concern. I I remember talking with Victor the last week in Texas, and he said he just couldn't drive off that left leg, really all season. Right. So batting left-handed was a real issue for him, and you know, two thirds of your at bats are going to come as a lefty if you're a switch hitter. So I I do think the one thing I will say, Larry, is that. I thought the bat speed was still there. I mean, that's you know he could turn on a fastball. So he'd usually pull it foul. Or in other words, I thought the bat speed was still there. But now it's a matter of will that knee hold up and can he drive from the left side? And that's that's going to be huge for him this year. Huge for the Tigers lineup. You know what, Larry? This is what I'd say. I, I, this is my. It's an educated guess on it, in my opinion. Um, I don't think you're going to see the power that he had that one year, uh, not last year, but the year ago. before. Yeah. Uh, when he hit all his home runs. But I think you might see a return of Victor Martinez, too. Somebody who sprays the ball around a little bit. Uh, kind of becomes more like that. You're talking about somebody It doesn't make logical sense that he would get better as he gets older. But he's one of these guys who's got kind of that rare baseball, I don't know, pedigree where it, it ain't going to be over easy. He's, gonna, he's going to, when it looks like his career is on the line, he's going to show you that he can still play. He's very, very prideful. Money aside. And I know he brought up the money. Very hard work. Very prideful about the actual game. He's one of those guys that, you know, would have fit in in the 50s and 60s because he just plays the game for its, you know, the aesthetic beauty of it, especially the hitting part of it. So I do expect him to bounce back if he has a reasonable health and he can push off that leg uh, as a left-handed hitter. That's just my opinion. No, I agree. Well, but it's him, it's Sanchez, it's Verlander, it's Cabrera who hasn't hit with the power that he did before. I think Cabrera's another – if not big question mark, like you said, the power wasn't there. There were reasons for it. Coming back from the ankle surgery the year before, he's coming back from the core muscle surgery repair. So two off-season surgeries right. clearly robbed him of power the last two years. He still won a batting title. I understand that. And he still had a lot of doubles. But I don't think there's any question that you want to see that power return from Miguel Cabrera. He still hits the ball hard, and I just don't think he could drive like he wanted to off that you know, surgically repaired ankle. And can J.D. Martinez have a reasonable facsimile? And can Ian Kinsler, you know, continue to play at the level that he's played as he get, moves into his more advanced in his 30s? And can Nick Castellanos continue to improve as a hitter? And he did improve in the second half. Second half. He so, almost got sent to the minor leagues in the first half. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Tiger Talk, 97 won the ticket. At home, in your car, or at work. Detroit's Sports Station. 97.1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97.1 The Ticket. There's a fly ball left field. Way back in left and gone. Two-run shot for Miguel Cabrera. There was no doubt when it left his bat. First of the year, and the Tigers take a 3-0 lead in the first. Here you go, Double D, Dan Dickerson, man. I missed those calls. I can't wait for that first spring training game. Who you guys <laughs> play? What, which game are you doing? We are not doing the Florida Southern game. Oh, you're not? No, we're not. But so. I, I believe it's uh, Tigers start with the uh, Yankees. Pittsburgh. 
Pittsburgh and Lakeland on March the first. It's a Tuesday. I can't wait. Calendars. I can't wait. One o'clock. I always like the. There's a. It's at Lakeland, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, there's a distinct sound that uh, the Lakeland spring training games have that you don't hear at other games. I don't know what it is, but I always enjoy that. I always enjoy the first. It's uh, a great setting. I mean, I know people certainly make that trip down to Florida to see spring training all over the state, and there's some great venues. But, I mean, truly, I'm biased, but Lakeland did such a great job with the rebuild, and they're doing another one after this spring training for 2017. It's a great place to watch a spring game. Yeah, and it's a a special thing. You know, baseball – it's just a special thing. And there's something about the spring training and just the sun. Now, it gets about March 18th, and you got that trip to Vieira or something. <laughs> I don't know if Dan's, you know, visiting Yeehaw Junction down 60 there. Dan and Jim on the Express. Uh, you know, whether those guys are quite as uh, – what is uh, thrilled about if, it? But if that people first could game. watch us in the late innings of almost, think about it, almost every spring game. There are very few regulars who play all nine innings in any game. If they could watch us scrambling, looking at Jim and I looking at each other going, do you know who this is? They bring in guys. <laughs> I have no idea. They bring in guys and they don't even have them on the scorecard. Well, that's a great thing. They bring in guys from Tiger Town, or if you're playing Pittsburgh, they'll bring them in for the minor league camp just for the day, and they'll be wearing number 98 with no name, and you and they didn't list them anywhere, and you're just taking a shot. <laughs> You know, and then it's Ron, Ron Cangela, where you at? Aline, Aline. Uh two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Where's Chad Crunk? You know, these guys got they got to inform you as soon as they come in. But you know what? Well, those our, guys, our, our, I, I will say, I mean, I'll, I, if if we send somebody down, they, they're right out. They're, they're tell just, us who's you know, they're, they're, those they're guys are immediately scrambling to find out who they're on is. top of. It. They actually do know who's in at every position at all times. We don't always. Well, they have to keep track of it. There's somebody, you know, the one thing about spring training games, is they keep track. They of it. keep track of everything. Everything these days. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Hey, Jason, you're on Tiger Talk at ninety seven won the ticket. What's up, Jason? Hi. Um, I was just calling you to mention something about the Hall of Fame when I hopped to the car and. Yes. When uh, you talk about the Hall of Fame vote tomorrow. Yes. Um, I want to know why Alan Trammell is not even being considered for the Hall of Fame at this point. Well, he he's being considered. He's still on. He, he's still on the ballot. He is. That so that means he's Last under considera- consideration. But, but he's ha- not even close, though. No, no. he's not. And it, it, to me, it's one of the great and it, unanswered questions. And I, I'm not sure why he never got the support that he should have by all accounts. And this is. This is not just me talking. This is people like Jay Jaffe, who does uh, a little different look at peak years versus as as well as total career compared to Hall of Famers. By almost any measure, Alan Trammell is a Hall of Famer. There is no question yeah. in my mind, and he's never gotten much and, support. And I don't. I, and I the only reason he's why. not in is because of the writers. And I I think it's a travesty that people that never played the game, never step on the field to to hit a ball or catch a ball or anything, are the ones voting. I think it should be the players. No. The I mean, players should be the ones voting because they're the ones that played against these guys. And Alan Trammell's stats are almost the same or better than Ozzie Smith, and he got in on the first ballot. All Ozzie Smith could do was field. He couldn't hit a lick. He could field. Well, Trammell has the same, almost the same fielding percentage and hits and has many more, you know, his hitting record is a lot better. And he's and is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? No. But he shouldn't be on the last the year of his voting. It's ridiculous. Well, it's one of those dumbass writers who actually votes for the guy. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm not, I'm not ripping on you, Pat. I like you. You're no, no, you know, I know where I you're coming it. from. But, but here, 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 I don't want, you know, I don't want to get into that because there was a lot of resentment, envy, 
all kinds of BS that goes along with being a Hall of Fame voter. It's, yeah. it's uh, absolutely ridiculous. But I'll say this on Trammell specifically. Um, if you go by um, sabermetrics, uh, the metrics of the game, Alan Trammell is one of the top 100 players of all time. So is Lou Whitaker. Lou Whitaker is as good sabermetrically as Reggie Jackson, close to Derek Jeter, even higher than Trammell. Yeah. He didn't last a year. And, and yet, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to explain something to you. On Jack Morris, where the sabermetrics are down, and, and I don't believe the metrics uh, relate generation to generation uh, as well as a lot of the um, sabermetrics crowd does, and they had a uh, thing with pitchers. And so Jack Morris didn't have a good um, sabermetrics number, kind of like, better than Catfish Hunter, but not good enough for the, you know, so there was a sabermetrics witch hunt to keep Jack out. So I was trying to say, hey, what is it then with the 84 Tigers? Sabermetricsly, uh, Whitaker and Trammell definitely belong definitely. in the Hall of Fame. Both. Jack, okay, you make that case, but why don't you go around and fight for Trammell and Whitaker like you fought to try to well, keep Morris out to prove your point about sabermetrics? Well, Trammell, he should have won the MVP for the the 87. He should have won the MVP for the, the league MVP. He didn't. George Bell got it. He won a World Series MVP. He did. He's one of the top five shortstops of his, from his time, from his era. Without question. You know, Ripken got in. Uh, Ozzie Smith got in. Well, the, the, got the one, the you know, you haven't mentioned the magic name, Jason, and that's Barry Larkin. If you took traditional statistics, you took sabermetric statistics, Barry Larkin and Alan Trammell are identical players. Trammell didn't get the MVP that year like Larkin did, and Trammell should have in retrospect, but he also won a World Series MVP. You could split hairs between Barry Larkin and Alan Trammell in their careers. Yep. Statistically, it's like looking at twins. So, you know, Barry Larkin was a second ballot Hall of Famer. So I don't know what it is. And I'll say this about the Tigers. Put something out in the outfield in honor of Tram and Whitaker. Put something out there, you know, whether it's statues or something for the 84 Tigers. They're not represented enough. I know they've had nice days for them and people remember them, but, you know, they're the last World Series championship team. There wasn't a better team wire to wire in the history of baseball than the 84 Tigers, and it's not an exaggeration. And these two guys had double what the next double play tandem team had. And there's no Hall of Fame players. Tom Gage is in the Hall of Fame, the writer. Sparky Anderson, the manager, is there. Well, where's the players? So, you know, yeah, and I voted every year when when Whitaker didn't get mentioned after the he first year. He was off the year, ballot after one, one year. year. I mean, it was a friggin' joke. I screamed at the top of my lungs, and people were like, why don't you shut your pie hole? You know, and then they wouldn't you, say that to you, would they? I mean, they were just, you know, it was ridiculous. So, don't get me going. No, I, <laughs> I think honestly think. I, you know, I talked hey, you to, talk about similarities. Yes. Do career, something career for Career war for Alan Trammell, 70.4. For Barry Larkin, 70.2. And you know what, Dan, if you went over the conventional statistics. And that's not the be-all, end-all, but, I mean, there are so many ways. Look at the hits, RBIs, stolen bases, you know, gold gloves. Barry Larkin and him, are they're twins. Yes, they are. It's like, you know, it's like looking at, uh, my gosh, you know, two identical twins as players. Very similar, very dignified, really good leaders. Yep. Played in a very similar era. Won a championship. I don't know. But anyway, you got me going now. <laughs> Mitch, you're on Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. Pat, Dan, Happy New Year to you fellas. Happy New Year. Uh, I wanted to say I feel like the Tigers are going to 
take back the AL Central, win the AL Central again. I feel like Miggy's in a comeback. He had a slight – I mean, he, he won, a, you know, the batting title, but his home home runs were down. I feel like he's going to have a nice, you know, rebound well. Victor Martinez, I see him coming back. I know he's getting up there in age, but that knee was really hindered him last year. Uh, the pitching, like you meant, you guys had mentioned, Verlander, I think he is back. He pretty much proved that down the stretch last year. Uh, but I feel like they – just to – had a piece like an outfielder I would love to see him bring back Yoannis Cespedes or bring in Carlos Gonzalez I feel like if they do that they would be a near lock to win the AL Central and be a very you know make a very good chance at a World Series run again uh, and no teams really in the AL Central really scare me I mean the Royals are have a good young team still but I just don't see their pitching being that great yeah, they're, I think they're another starters, key for the Tigers would be if Francisco Rodriguez can have a good year like he did last year for the Brewers. And what, how do you guys feel about them possibly bringing in another outfielder? I think that's, a, that's one of the more interesting questions. You know, the, the best payroll projection I've seen has them right in the 175, 177 range. To bring in a Cespedes, now you're pushing into the 195 million range, which puts you into the penalty. And Mike Ellis sounded like he'd be willing to pay that penalty. And, and, and really, relatively small the first year you're over the 189 for the luxury tax. I still wouldn't rule it out. I'm not feeling it right now, Pat. I just I think I can't picture a $195 million payroll for this team. And yet, the owner wants to win. Yoana Cespedes would be a heck of a piece. I'm, I'm not feeling it right now because I still think the biggest needs are on the pitching side, and they've addressed most of those. The offense was first in hitting, second in on base, fifth in slugging. That should be a top five, top three offense and run scoring. They were 10th. I think you can point to base running as one of the major reasons why. I'm not sure there's a, a crying need for another big bat when you're going to push the payroll that high. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on it. I mean, obviously, if you I would love it, to have him back. Believe me, if you know, Mike Ellis wants to spend the – I would love to have – I thought you went as Cespedes was terrific in left field. Yeah, he's just – you know, he had a great year last year. But here's the thing about him. How much of it is his salary drive? It seemed like after he got here and kind of proved himself with Oakland, that there was kind of a dip. And then all of a sudden he was, you know, his free agency year was coming up and all of a sudden there was a spike. I'm not trying to break down his makeup. I, maybe, you know, but there's, and there seems but to they be. they love the makeup. I will tell you that. Tigers loved him as a person, his makeup and as a player. But here's the thing about it. Would he have that same makeup and same demeanor if he has that long-term contract? There seems to be. I a don't re- think there are that many. Do you? I, I mean, everything I've seen, there, there aren't that many players who sign the big contract and then just fade. No, you know, is he because there's a there seems to be something about him where teams seem to pass him around like well, four teams in two years. Yeah, and uh, they seemed hesitant to give him that. And even though he was brilliant, he wasn't just good in left he, field he, defensively. He was Gold Glove. And, well, plus he's a he had a, he was great. I mean, just a great player last year. Why he's you know out there right. and you know he's not the first guy that he signed yet. You know, is he always constantly? Would you take Alex Gordon things? at a at a lower price? Alex Gordon has got great character, but he breaks down now. And I think he's one of those guys who will break down constantly if you take him. So, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Whether you roll the dice or not, like you said, it's not my money. It's Mike Illich's. <laughs> 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket.
Jimenez, a right-handed batter, waiting in a 3-2. Justin sets, runners go, 3-2 pitch, strike three called. He got him with a fastball. Looked like it was right down the heart of the plate. Called third strike, and Justin Verlander works out of a bases-loaded, none-out jam without allowing a run. There's a comeback here, Justin Verlander, at the end of last year. Um, Dan and I, a little bit earlier, I said, Dan, let's see what he can do when it matters. What do you mean? He's done it when he's better. He's <laughs> I'm talking I didn't about. I know what you meant by that. I mean, last year, by the time he got it together, the season was basically over. That's my point. Now, we'll see. But you're acting like he's never done it. No, 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 no. I didn't mean it that way. I mean, like, see if that holds up, you know, his comeback. You know, because it's going to be higher pressure games. Higher pressure games, colder weather at the start of the year, getting yourself prepared. I I really was. I mean, I knew how well he finished, but just totaling it up the other day. I mean, you really do. It was kind of eye opening. 14 starts, 227 ERA, strikeout an inning, 74 hits, 90. I mean, it was a really good finish. No, your point's a legitimate point, but uh, you, you want to see it over a full season. See, one, one of he the hasn't things, been healthy really the last two years until those last 14 starts. Um, you know, one of the things that you know I firmly believe in is spring training evaluations. They don't mean that much, you know, when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what a, a pitcher, hitter, whatever they when they perform well after their team is out of the race uh, doesn't mean that much, especially on contending teams and and also uh, September call-ups. Now, this is a veteran pitcher who obviously has been, you know, the tops of the top. And, you know, I talk about Justin Verlander's competitive character all the time. And I was one of the people that said, hey, look, you know, I never sell him short. I'll always put my money on him because he does have that. Again, he's another one of those players of the money. You know, obviously he enjoys the money and the, you know, the fame and everything. But he's somebody who play the game for the right reason and cares. He really cares. So, um, you know, I, I, I would put my money on him still. But I'm just saying – the comeback's not going to mean that much because those games were meaningless. It matters when he gets in there right. and starts to do it, and, right. you know, in a pennant race. No, it's and, just a very good sign to end the year. Absolutely. You know, Miguel Cabrera is going to be one to watch in spring training because it's been, really been three years in a row now where there's been a, an injury. Remember, it was the last mm-hmm. month of 2013 that robbed him of power in the postseason. And then, of course, the core muscle surgery repair affected him most of 2014. And then the surgery for the ankle affected him for much of 2015. Yeah, so power. Uh, with and then the calf the injury as well. Yeah, yeah, you want to see the power come back. You, you want to see Miguel Cabrera healthy and driving the ball because I think he's back to being that 30 home run guy uh, and hitting for average if, if he's healthy. And I'll be look forward to seeing it. We haven't talked about the outfield. Real quickly, you got Cameron Mabin, as you said, picked up in a trade. Kind of an interesting trade to me. He's not cheap. He's $5.5 million, I think. Right. $2.5 million is being paid for. But $5.5 million. Both he and Anthony Ghost were well below average defensively. I think you're going to hear that going into this season in center field. Cameron Maybin, before this year, I've always been told, look at three years of defensive numbers when it comes to defensive runs saved, and he was, he was well below average. He was minus 16. His last three healthy seasons, he was a real plus in center field. So which Cameron Maybin? I mean, this has to be a case, Pat, I would think, where the Tigers said they scout him. He's still in his prime. He's 28. He can cover left field extremely well still or center field if you want. How do you look at both he and Anthony goes? Who plays where? And do the Tigers go into the season with those two as their primary? Not every day, but primary left field or center fielder. Well, I think that's the way it's going to be. Um, I think they'll, you know, they'll platoon somebody like a Tyler Collins or somebody like that who did some things, but – it's not less more power in the major leagues than he did in the minor leagues. Not a bad bat off the bench. Not a bad fourth outfield. I saw some. Yeah, depends on how you look at him. You can look at him as a four A player. I don't know what they got exactly there. Um, it could be a four A player um, or a fourth outfielder. I don't know. 
you know, again, it's a fairly small sample size. And again, how much of it has been done under pressure, you know, when it matters, you know. So when I look at that, I, I don't, it's not ideal. Uh, I tend to look at Ghost as being better defensively than what the metrics suggest. Um, I saw him make some plays. He's fast. Uh, I kind of like his competitive spirit a little bit. Um, so, you know, there were some moments where he dropped, you know, the one time where he forgot the outs and, and some things, and I think he needs to be a little better. But I'm not uh, – I think he could be all right out there. I like Anthony. Ghost what do you think about him in left field because his arm is probably stronger than Maven's? Um, yeah, possibility there. You know, Cameron Maven, I've watched a lot of Atlanta's games last year. It wasn't much to watch with those games. He did all right last year. He, You know, I – I think it was a plus a 2.0 war player or something like that. Um, not something that's spectacular, but adequate. And I, it, to me, the key is if those guys aren't asked to do everything. And as long as they're adequate they defensively, as long as they're bottom of the order type of hitters, uh, you're not sitting there saying, hey, lead off, you right. know, uh, to ghost and, and be a go, go guy. Uh, as long as you're not having Cameron Maven hit sixth or something right. and put him in a production. And to me, it's all about a reciprocal effect, a domino effect. Cabrera, Martinez coming back to form. Um, Castellanos continuing his improvement, so you're not, he, he doesn't to. have to hit ninth right. or eighth. Um, Ian Kinsler still playing at a high level. J.D. Martinez still being very threatening. Uh, getting more out of the left-handed hitting platoon because James McCann doesn't hit right-handers. But he rakes against left-handers. There's a big dichotomy between him, yeah. both the minors and majors, so they need Salto Lamacchia to give them a lot more than Alex Avila did offensively. Then those guys won't be so glaring there, offensively or defensively. Do their pitchers miss more bats than what they did last year so you're not putting the ball in play? Have to. And then all of a sudden that domino effect will help those guys. Um, so th- that to me is they're, they're kind of like uh, support players. They're only going to be as good as the lead actors are. Right. You know, and uh, th- that to me is how I look at those guys. I don't think they're terrible or not major league players, but I, I don't look at them as core guys. And if they're core, your core guys are going to be Atlanta. Like Maven was a core guy for right. them last year. So, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Let's get a call in here. We could do this show for 15 hours tonight. <laughs> Inside Hockey Town's coming up next, though. What's up, Bob? Hey, Pat. How you doing? I've got two things I want to mention, and please give me just a little bit of time on this. Uh, I I um, I believe that Cal Ripken deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that, and for the for no other reason the streak. But his statistics were not as great as Trammell, except for the home runs. Um, he, you know, he was he was a good ball player, but he was just you know he was. If it wasn't for the streak, he probably would have been an average ball player. Um, but he was good. I liked him. And I, I think Prammel should be in there. And, and then also, I was looking at the Milwaukee Brewers outfielders. And any, any of the three could be gotten for nothing. And if the Tigers go north with a platoon situation in left field, mark my word, they will not win a pennant. They will not win their division. They have to have someone who's going to be out there every day hitting, fielding, and for no other reason being a leader in the clubhouse. But you platoon two guys out there, you're not going to win. You're just not. And I know Gonzalez is available, 
he would be perfect in the Tiger. I don't line. know how he would, uh, you know, uh, relate to you know Comerica Park and that situation, um, considering what his you know past background is. Um, uh, would he be better than Maven or Ghost? I don't. You know, you could make a case that he would, but what's right. the cost? You know, what's the cost? What's the that? cost? Cost is not in dollar amounts. He's making pretty good money. <laughs> And the cost and talent would also be. I mean, you're you're starting to build at least a little bit of depth in your farm system. And don't right forget, now. and don't forget, you don't want to you, trade it all away. What you can do is you can go into a season and then go to where you get to the trade deadline, and then right. you decide whether you're going to sell or buy, and then improve your team. You got to find out whether your team is one of those legitimate contenders or not contenders, and then kind of make that decision. So if they had a platoon, I don't think it would be ideal. But um, I don't Plenty think it would be the end it. of the world. Yeah, and then make a decision on whether you add or don't, and use some of the depth that you've you procured in the minor league system to maybe add to that. Hey Dan, that went by like that. <laughs> Next week we're hoping to have Brad Osmus on the show. Right now, plan on it, and uh, be interesting to talk with him about how he views the off season. There you go. And I'm sure at some point we'll have Alav Elon. No question. No question. We'll have Alav Elon. <laughs> so, but anyway, thanks for tuning in. It was great to be here. Uh, we waited a long time, but we're here. And uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. He's Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. Inside Hockey Town with myself and Ken Cow is coming up next. It's a 97-1 The Ticket.